0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11, he says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. Verse 13, he says, Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. He's saying, please open your hearts to us. In chapter seven, verse two, he says, open your hearts to us, we have wronged no one, we have corrupted no one, we have cheated no one. Can you see the, the accusations they were saying about him? There was criticism and judgment. And then in, in chapter 10, he says in verse one, now I Paul myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. This was one of their criticisms. They said, when he's present, he's a weak and lowly person. He's not a good speaker. His bodily presence is not impressive, but then he writes these bold letters and he was, he, he's trying to answer them. In uh, verse two, he says, I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold um, with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. People were saying, he walks according to the flesh, this preacher Paul. He's fleshly. And there were all these criticisms. Have you ever been criticized? He goes on in verse seven. He says, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ's, Let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. He's saying, if you think you're a Christian, I'm also a Christian, let's treat each other equally rather than you being the one who can criticize me all the time. Let's talk openly as equals. And then in verse 10, he says, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak, his speech contemptible. He was trying to say that he was aware of the criticisms and earlier on in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, if you judge me, it's not a big deal to me because God is my judge. I'm not fazed by you judging me, but he did feel he needed to speak to some of these issues and then in verse 12, this is the context of what I, I had read earlier. He says, for we dare not class ourselves, compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. He's talking about this group of Christian super apostles, he calls them, who came in and were criticizing him. And he says, I'm not even gonna class myself or try and compete with them. He says, because we have a circle, a sphere that's appointed by God. And that's what we're talking about. Um, We're talking about criticism and judgment and feeling not quite right. Put yourself in Paul's position. If you knew there was a group of people who were talking about you, how would you feel? And today I wanna talk about the subject of a perfect circle. And this is the idea behind what I'm gonna say, and I really believe this is gonna help you today. The reason many of us have issues, mental health issues, we're talking about a lack of peace and well-being in our thinking and in our emotions. The reason many of us have mental health issues. You say, I don't have mental health issues. If you lack peace, if you're full of anxiety, if you're struggling to fit in and cope with pressures and the world around you, then yes, this is for you and for me. The reason we have it is this. Please listen to me very carefully. You and I were created to be perfect in the Garden of Eden. Humans were made to be perfect, sinless, with no hang ups, with no weaknesses. You were made to be perfect. You were made to be in a perfect world where nothing goes wrong, where there are no unexpected events, where there's no disease. There's no sin, there's no problem. You were made to be perfect in a perfect world with perfect other people. You were made for that. That's your design specifications and you were born imperfect in an imperfect world with many other imperfect people. And most of us are looking at the world through a set of glasses, of spectacles, that says, why isn't everything perfect? I feel this need within me for perfection. I'm designed for perfection. I'm designed to be perfect, and then I look at myself and I fail. And that we said that that word wise in that verse, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, we said it means putting two things together, the outward reality and my inward expectation. If they don't match, there's turmoil and stress and mental unhealth. And the biggest cause of this is where you expect perfection because that's how you were made. You were made to be perfect and to expect perfection and then you look at yourself, you look at other people, you look at your children, you look at your workmates, you look at the world around you, you look at everything and it is not perfect and there is a mismatch between what we expect and what we see and we are undone. And if you don't say, amen, I agree, you are lying. (laughs) A perfect circle. You know, they've started to have competitions called perfect circle drawing competitions. And if you look up on YouTube, there's one guy, in 2012, he won the competition, and I've seen the picture of it. He walks up to a blackboard with a piece of chalk, and he goes and it looks exactly like a perfect circle. And he won that that year's competition. Most of us can't, have you ever tried to draw a perfect circle? Not easy. But there are competitions for people who can. And they've designed a machine to measure the circles that are drawn to see who won. And it's called a circleometer. Did you know that? And it's a special laser device, and it shines a circle on the circle, and it highlights where the circle is not quite perfect. And even the best circle drawer can't draw a perfect circle. And in fact, I started reading up on this. There is not a single device, machine, anything in the whole world, in fact in the whole universe, that can draw a perfect circle. It does not exist. I watched a video which said they've made a special silicon sphere that is the closest humans can get to a perfect sphere or circle. And in fact, it's better even than the most perfect planetary body or sun or or heavenly object. It is the closest we can get to a perfect circle and even that is imperfect. It is impossible to get a perfect circle and yet we all know what a perfect circle should be and that is the issue with the human race. We have a desire and a need and a longing within us for perfection because God put it in there because we were designed to be perfect in a perfect world and we're always searching for it and we are never finding it, amen? If you've been married for more than a year, you will say amen. I thought she was perfect and then I saw whatever it is. I thought he was the perfect man and then, And how do we deal with this? You know, there are books written, libraries of books written on how to deal with this. Psychologists and psychiatrists are trying to help people deal with this. This mismatch that shouldn't exist, but it does, which for me is an evidence that God made the world. The fact that we expect perfection, but it doesn't exist anywhere in nature shows there is a difference and God made us. It's the best illustration of that. In fact, C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a need for something that cannot be found in this world, it proves that I was made for another world. And that is the situation we find ourselves in. But how do we deal with it? How do you deal with it? Well, there are a couple of ways. Number one, we pretend. We pretend. We get very lazy and lax. Doesn't matter. Perfection doesn't matter. You're not perfect, I'm not perfect, my work isn't perfect, I'm making a cabinet that's not perfect, singing a song and the note's not perfect, ah, who cares? You been there? It's one way of coping. The problem is we will always reach a point where it does matter. And it's usually when someone close to us lets us down. Or somebody does a crime against us (laughs) when we lived in Africa we got broken into and robbed so often so often I, I mean it was literally five six seven times a year we would have robberies and our stuff was taken all our stuff was taken and If you think nothing matters, hakuna matata, just get on with it. When something touches you deeply and all your kit is taken, or somebody betrays you who loves you, that's when you realize there should be perfection. Amen? And it doesn't matter who you are, you will reach that point at some stage in your life. You can either take chemicals to try and make you not care, or you can just try and switch your brain and say, I don't care, but you will care eventually. That's one way of handling it. Another way is just to be so obsessive compulsive about ourselves, we try and control every little thing, I'm gonna run for five kilometers every day and it's gonna be in this time and I'm gonna log it on my app on my phone and I'm gonna make sure I do it and I'm gonna eat just right and I'm gonna dress just right, my clothes are gonna be, p- I'm gonna control everything. Until you can't control everything, until you get sick, or somebody else is involved and they don't do what they're supposed to do. The other one is guilt and despair, where we permanently live under a shadow of I'm just not good enough, amen? Have you been there? Why? Because I look at my life and it's not a perfect circle. It's a hand-drawn estimate of a circle, and inside me something says, bing, 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 that's not right. Should be perfect. What do other religions do? They say, whatever your guess is of what perfection is, replace that with these rituals. If you'll just say a prayer in this exact phraseology five times a day and wash in this way and do this ritual and give this much and visit that place once in your life and fast for this many days. That's perfection. Forget what your instincts tell you is perfect. Just do these rituals and you'll be perfect. Have you ever been in that place? And that can be Christian religion as well. And it's not a solution because our instincts tell us that's not perfection. Amen? Or others say, other religions say, don't worry, you'll have 700 tries at getting perfection. Karma, you'll be reincarnated, you'll get there eventually, just relax. And we know the pain in our own hearts. You know, I met a man who moved from India to Africa because he was an untouchable in the caste system of his religion. He was the lowest of the low, an untouchable. He he was an outcast in his society. He moved to a different country so that he would be outside of the caste system where that, that system of belief rules the nation. You know, I visited India, and the thing that struck me was everyone is religious, Everyone has idols and pictures and things they're worshiping and all these gods around and they paint things. And Everyone is religious, but there are hundreds of poor people begging on the street and no one helps them. And you know why they don't help them? Because they say, it's fate, it's karma. If you're poor and you're living on the street, if you're an untouchable, that's because you were bad in your last life. You deserve it. I'm not going to give you anything. And so they don't help. And the idea is eventually after 700 or whatever reincarnations, yes, I'll be an ascended master and I'll get there. They never get there. I met a man in this church two years ago who said I'm an ascended master and I promise you he was not. (laughs) It's a false idea of perfection. We paint, we put on some glasses and we try to convince ourselves that perfect isn't what I thought it was, it's this other thing, but meanwhile deep inside there is a gnawing instinct that it's not all okay. Perfection is not this thing or this thing or this thing. And then there's another, this is the last way that I wanna suggest that we deal with it. You remember in Matthew seven, Jesus said, why do you try and take the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a plank in your own? Do you remember that verse? What we do is this I draw a circle my freehand drawing of a circle and there's all sorts of areas in it which are not correct according to the circleometer but there's one little area which is a pretty good circle and I focus on that and I say that means I am perfect Forget the other things. Yes, I shouted the dog and I don't do this and I'm that and I'm that. No, but look, look at this one thing where I am perfect and we convince ourselves through trickery and lying to ourselves. The Bible calls it deceiving ourselves that we are okay and then we feel it's our job to enforce perfection on everyone else. And so, the top section of our circle is good, but the bottom section over here is not so good. I go and find somewhere else, somebody else, and I look at all the areas of their life and I say, I have a right to judge. I am a circleometer. I have a right to judge your circle. And we judge. And that's what happened in Corinth. People who pretended to be perfect thought they could judge and criticize Paul. He says, if you think you're Christ's, I'm Christ's, let's put ourselves on the same level. You're not above me, let's all be equal. Even though he was an apostle, he said, let's all be equal and let's talk openly and honestly and admit we're not perfect. He says, they class themselves, they measure themselves, compare, commend, they are so inside looking, and they're so wrapped up in themselves because they are tricking themselves that they have a right to judge perfection and everyone else. So what is the answer? (laughs) Anyone know? God has an answer. God has an answer. Let me just, for the sake of completeness, tell you, there is a passage, there are many passages that talk about the fact that we're not perfect. But the main one that I refer you to, which I'm not gonna preach on now, but I refer you to Romans 8, verses 18 to 22. And it says the whole of creation is groaning, it's in corruption or decay, it's in futility, it's in bondage, because the sons of God sinned, but, There are sons of God who have a new perfection inside of them, and creation is longing for the day when that perfection is revealed because then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There's a beautiful verse in 2 Peter 3, verse 13, which says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Let me read that again. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. It's not wrong to have a desire for perfection. It's built in us, but God says this world is not perfect. There is nothing in this world that is perfect. Get used to that. But look forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Yes, it will come. And now what I wanna do is read you a selection of verses from the book of Hebrews. That, I just, I just picked one book that will give you a picture of this. He says, Hebrews five verse nine. Having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Having been perfected, so God sent a perfect circle into this imperfect world. His name was Jesus. He lived a life, and it says it wasn't just that he was sinless and perfect, it was all the things he experienced, every trial and temptation, and living as one of us. He was not just perfect sinlessly, he was perfect in that he's experienced everything we have, and he's become the author of salvation, eternal salvation. Hebrews 7 verse 19 says, the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. He says the law in the Old Testament told us we were wrong, but it didn't make us perfect. And this is one of the solutions that many people try to used to fix the imperfect circle in their lives. They say, let me obey the law, let me obey the law. I must be lawful, righteous, I must do everything right. I must obey God's laws, other people's laws, the country's laws, I must obey, obey, obey. And when they don't obey, then they're with guilt. And he says, the law cannot make you perfect. The law is like an x-ray, which will tell you your arm's broken, but if you wrap that x-ray around your broken arm, it can't fix the broken arm. The law shows us our imperfection, but it doesn't fix it. Hebrews 7:28 The law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Humans as intermediaries, to try and, if we go to a person to try and make me perfect, if I go to a guru or a prophet or a priest or somebody and say, you become my perfection, it can't work because everyone has weaknesses. Jesus is the only one who was a perfect circle. Have you looked at the life of Jesus, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Look at that and you will see what a perfect circle looks like. And you'll see that a perfect circle in an imperfect world gets treated badly. You see, that's the problem is many of us think, I've done everything God wants me to do. I've obeyed all the laws. I've obeyed what other people want. I'm a people pleaser. I've done everything right. Why am I still suffering? Because we expect perfection. And we think if I just do everything right, there will be happiness. But we live in an imperfect world. And many of us are suffering under mental Unhealth, a lack of wisdom, the matching up of the reality and our expectation is not the same because we think perfection can exist. If I just do enough good, I can be at a place of freedom from pain and everything will go smoothly. But the Bible says in Romans eight, we live in a world that is groaning. And two Peter three says one day it'll be made perfect, but for now it's an imperfect world. Let me read on, Hebrews 10 verse one, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. It doesn't matter what religion, what rituals, what rules you follow, you pray the exact right prayers, you can't achieve perfection by doing anything in this world, it's just not possible. You cannot draw a perfect circle. Hebrews 10 verse 12, but this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus lived a perfect circle life. He offered a sacrifice to pay for the lack of correctness and he sat down at the right hand of God And I'm going to read you a verse that I pray becomes your life verse. Are you ready for it? I'm going to read it out of the New International Version. It works in other versions, but the NIV is the most clear. It says, For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Holy. Just let that sink in for a second. By one sacrifice, Jesus dying on the cross, he has made perfect forever. Not perfect until you sin again. Not perfect for a short time until you do the next ritual. Perfect forever. You say, Greg, I'm not perfect. Why do you say Jesus has made me perfect forever? Because there is a part in the middle of you called your spirit That is not your flesh, it's not your emotions, it's not your mind and thoughts, it's your spirit, and the Bible says when you accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you, your spirit is made the same as Jesus's. 1 Corinthians 6 says, uh, if anyone has joined himself to the Lord, he is one spirit with him. Your spirit and God's spirit are the same. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because Jesus became sin for us. 1 John 4, verse 17 says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Your spirit is perfect forever. It is a perfect circle on the middle of you and it's forever. Many places in the New Testament, it says it's sealed with the Holy Spirit. It can't be affected by all sorts of things you do and don't do and all the problems of this world. You have a perfect circle on the middle of you called your spirit and that's what's gonna live forever and that's what relates to God. Those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. You are perfect forever. You say, I don't feel perfect. I don't act perfect. That's where the second part of this verse comes in. He says, he's made you perfect forever, but now you're being made holy. You see, what's happening is that perfection on the inside, over time, your mind becomes renewed. Your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, even your body gets healed. We become more and more perfect, but there is a perfection, a perfect circle on the middle of you that God looks at you And he says, you are perfect. Do you remember in the Old Testament, um, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And it says he loved Esau, but he wasn't so keen on Jacob. And so Jacob tricked his blind old dad and he dressed up in Esau's clothes and he put on hairy things on his arms so that his dad thought his arms were hairy like his brothers. And he brought some food that his brother would have cooked. And he came and he tricked his dad and he said, I'm Esau and his father gave him a blessing because he smelt him. As he walked into the room, he goes, the smell of the son that I love. Jacob was hiding inside Esau's clothing and covering. And the Bible says you and I are hidden inside Christ. When God sees you, when he thinks of you, when he deals with you, if you have Christ on the inside, he goes, "Ah, the smell of the son that I love. You are perfect. You don't have to worry about him judging you. Romans eight verse one says, there is no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a perfect circle. You are accepted by God because of what Jesus did, but it doesn't end there. Out of a place of security and peace and forgiveness and acceptance, now I become more and more perfect. I don't just say perfection doesn't matter. No, I change. I am being made holy. And I wanna say that that is the only satisfactory explanation and solution for our problem of imperfect circles. We have an expectation of perfection. We have a need and a desire for perfection. We wanna judge perfection in others, but the answer is to say I'm at rest because God has made me perfect by grace, not because I did anything, but now out of gratitude and out of the power of that spirit within me, I am gonna let it change me, and I become more and more perfect. But the thing I don't do is judge other people because we are all imperfect. If I stand up on my high place and I look down on you and I judge you and I say you're not as good as you should be, I am completely negating the fact that I've received a free gift that this gift of a perfect circle was not deserved by me. I need to say, I am imperfect. I may sin in different ways to you, but we all sin. I mustn't try and judge the little speck in your eye because my circles are not correct. I need to give grace to other people, amen? And as far as mental health goes, I wanna say to you, the answer for your obsessive compulsiveness, for your need to judge and tell other people they're wrong all the time, for your guilt, for your despair, for your pretending everything's right when you know it's not, the answer is not in all these other man-made ways, the answer is to go to Jesus and say, perfect circle, forgive me, make me perfect on the inside, and now day by day, knowing I'm accepted, I'm going to become more and more like you. Rest in his perfection. We don't judge. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.